Welcome to the Daniel Artest Podcast, and I have a special guest. Uh, this is like my brother right here, man. We go way back since the Laker days. You know, he let me train him and everything at UCLA. We're going to get into that. I got Mark Medina on the line. What's going on, man? Oh, my gosh. Thanks for the plug, first of all, but we're, we're going to get into what it was like training together, huh? Yeah, yeah. We're going to definitely get into that because it, nice. it, 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 it was funny, man. So, man, what's going on with you, man? How you been, man? Oh man. Well, all things considered, I'm good. I mean, I'm healthy. I'm thankfully uh still working and doing what I can do for USA today, but it's man, it has been a season uh yeah. in the NBA. I mean, first it was really fun at the beginning, but then like Kobe and Gianna Bryant passed away, the seven other victims, and that was tough for all the obvious reasons. And then just when I thought, okay, now now that we're past like the initial grief and shock and all the emotions and the first Laker game since Kobe's passing and All-Star Weekend with all the tributes and Kobe's memorial with all the amazing speakers, uh, now it's about basketball. And it's, you know, teams are getting ready for the playoffs. And I, I saw that momentum and then all of a sudden, you know, we knew about the coronavirus, but we didn't know how severe it was going to be. And all of a sudden, it's just like, man it's coming here in the country it's infecting people and it's affecting the league and everything shut down and now it's just this weird like sense of i don't even know what like a lot of a lot of um stress and uncertainty yeah. of like not even just what happens to the league but just in life like you got to be careful but you know i think it also reinforces of just wanting to uh you know, appreciate the good in life and just be grateful for everything that is going well, you know? Yeah. Amen to that, man. Amen to that. Yeah. It's, it's been crazy. So like how, how you've been taking care of yourself during this entire ordeal, you know, like I don't trust nobody, Mark, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> <laughs> What do you mean by that? <laughs> like I literally, listen, man, I'll be, you know, I, I had to go out and buy some stuff, man. And then people was just getting a little coffin fits on in the supermarket. Oh, really? Well, I mean, see, see, you have to deal with that because you're a famous guy, you know? <laughs> I wish, man. I'm not I'm not a famous guy. I don't know why you keep saying that, man. You've been saying that since we met, man. Well, Long time. You, you and Ron, you guys, you guys are well-known around that way. Yeah, but, you know, I live in South Carolina now, man. I live in Charleston, South Carolina. I got you, know? you. I got you. Well, they should recognize. But anyway, how am I taking care of myself? I mean, a lot of it is I'm cooped up in my place in Playa del Rey in L.A., Okay. Um, I'm I'm just busy working the phones. You know, I'm with USA Today now, so I'm an NBA writer, and I work with a really cool uh, colleague of mine, Jeff Zilgin, and we're just, like, trying to chase all these leads and do different stories. So, like, part of it, it's easy to stay busy and not get bored because there's just a lot going on. But as far as how I take care of myself, um, you know, I, I guess the very small silver lining of this is that unlike during the normal regular season of the NBA, I'm not, you know, covering games late at night anymore. So I'm sleeping well. Um, I yeah. can't go to the gym like I used to, you know, how good I am with that. So, yeah, I, you know, my place has a gym, like it has a gym, but I was still kind of leery of using it just because of all the sanitary precautions. So, like, even if they're keeping it all clean, I just didn't want to mess with anything. So, I've just been 
taking some walks outside, getting some fresh air. I'm not quite to the point yet where it's like, hey, I'm going to be doing these beach runs or these like sand workouts. But that has more to do with the fact that, A, in L.A., it's been raining a little bit. And then, B, I, I was just just been so busy. But I've needed to get some fresh air uh, after long days. So I'll walk outside and, you know, be antisocial. And when I see someone, like, about to cross the street, like, go the opposite direction. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny, man. It's so funny, man. But, yeah, yeah, man, I want to congratulate you on becoming an um, NBA reporter for the USTA today, man. That's good. That's big, man. You know? So tell me, what what, what do you do as an NBA reporter? Because I know that you was a beat writer for the Warriors and the Lakers, obviously, and you used to blog for the Lakers as well. So what's what exactly does an NBA reporter do? Yeah, it's different. So, like, I mean, the same thing as you're watching basketball, you're, like, covering the NBA. But when I was the Lakers beat guy and the Warriors beat guy, you know, as you know, Daniel, like, I was at all 82 games. Like, I'm traveling to every road game. I'm going to every single game whether it was with the Lakers at Staples Center or with when it was with the Warriors at Oracle Arena up in Oakland and going to every practice and shoot around and all that stuff. And here, you kind of pick your spots. Like So when I got offered the job to work for them, they asked me if I was interested in moving back to L.A. because, you know, hey, they got the Lakers and Clippers in the backyard. So I go to a lot of those games. But yeah. I'm I'm there not just to write about those teams. Like I'm also there for the visiting teams coming into town, and then sometimes I'll go to other cities. So I did a a few Houston trips, a few New Orleans trips this year. I was up in the Bay during preseason, but then once you know it was clear, hey, they're not going to be the Warriors of old. Um, you know my the, my uh, bosses weren't really that keen on sending me to to Warriors games. So, you know, I went to Oklahoma city when Russell Westbrook came back and when Paul George came back. So it's kind of things like that. Like if I had to break it down, probably I'm on, I'm in LA 70% of the time. And then I'm in some Western conference city, 30% of the time. But yeah, it's like, I handle a lot of the major things going on in the Western conference. Jeff Silgett handles a lot of the major things going on in the Eastern conference, but because the Lakers and the Clippers are such a big deal, I've wound up writing a lot about them. And then when the Kobe and Gianna tragedy hit, I was in LA just nonstop handling those things. And then since this coronavirus hit, it's been about, Hey, you know, what's the latest from the league working with Jeff on that, just trying to call people, you know, line some interviews up. So yeah, it's been crazy. Yeah, I know. I know it is, man. It's just been, it's been real crazy. Like, how one cough, that's why I look at it. I look at it as just one cough just shut the entire world down, you know, and it's just, it's just affected everything. Like even outside of sports, just, you know, I can't even go to New York if I wanted to, you know what I'm saying? Because they just basically put it on lockdown. If I wanted to go out the country, they basically saying, if you go out, you might not be able to come back for an indefinite amount of time. So it's just, it's just been insane, Mark, man. But, you know, I just been doing this podcast and just keeping this content up so I can, you know, clear my head from all of it. Cause there's a lot of madness. I know there's a lot of, there's a lot of BS in the world, right? Especially these times. But, you know, the thing I appreciate you about you all the time and about Ron or Meta, uh, it's always keep it 100, right? Like, always just be genuine, good yes. or bad, right? Yes, sir. And you know, so. you, you know, 
and call him Ron. Come on, Mark. I've known so, you. So here's the thing. I would call. I called Ron Ron even when he first changed his name. But then, like, it became such a normal thing with the Lakers. Like, even Kobe was calling him Meta. That I like it instinctually would call him Meta too. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know what I like about you, though, and why I'm so glad you're on this podcast, because, like, I remember when I was in L.A. a lot, and me and you, so we, we was actually friends, you know, we'll call each other and see how each other's doing. I come I always come up to you when, when I was at a home game or whatever, or if you see me, we stop and we talk. It was never like that type of reporter, you know, chasing a lead or anything like that. Like, even like when, when Ron did have a situation, you'll contact me and, I, and, and you know, I'll give you whatever I could give you or whatever, but I always liked you because you always were was like a um you know you was always about you know family first and stuff because you develop a good relationship with Ron and 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 me of course you know we we trained together you know um that one time in UCLA I put you through that <laughs> hey, hey tell, tell the people about how awesome I was there <laughs> listen everybody all right so <laughs> Mark was like I right, wanted to work out so we go to UCLA I put this dude through one of the craziest workouts ever. He lasted through it though, but it, it was it was insane, man. It was fun though. It was fun because you know we got to you know bond a little bit and stuff, and um you know and um it was before I left L.A. to go back to uh, Indiana where I was staying at at the time. So it was fun. He he was definitely tired, and I think that you know because he ended up losing a lot of weight. So I kind of felt like I spearheaded him to getting fit. <laughs> yeah, well, see, I was already losing weight, and that just kind of showed that I might have been tired when I was yeah. going through that workout, but, like, there's a clear difference between being tired and fatigued and still being able to finish it versus you are tired and you can't do anything. And yeah, yeah. Man, like, it's crazy. I mean, it's good to exercise in general. Like, everyone should be doing that and eating well just for their own well-being, but especially in the industry I'm in where you're working late hours, you're at games all the time, you're exposed, it's just like really bad food all the time, where, you know, the food at the arena isn't good, and then if you're, you're not liking the meal in the press room, you could go up to the concession stand, and it's all fast food there. You're at airports. Like, it has made a significant difference where, like, your energy level's up, you know, you're less likely to get sick on a normal basis, and just like your outlook on life. Like you're in better moods when you're in shape and you're healthier because like if you're not and you're eating that kind of stuff, a lot of it sometimes makes you more irritable and like prone to stress. Right. So, you know, I know you liked, we like giving each other a hard time. Like, Oh, are you really in shape or not? But like, I'm so glad I started doing that. I think, uh, it was actually during the lockout nine years ago where I started using that time to just get after in the gym. And like before that I was lifting, I always lifted like in high school and college, but the reality was like, I had great genes and I was thin and I just ate whatever the hell I wanted. And then eventually like it was catching up to you. And I was like, man, I do not want to be that guy that's like in the locker room and like looking like that, like sl slumpy sports writer that's just like out of shape and like more importantly it's like i just wanted to be healthier so i decided you know what like let's nip in the butt let's get ahead of the curve early while i'm still in my 20s and go from there and then like once i started doing it you kind of get you get addicted to like the results a little bit and yeah then and then you realize that like dieting is a process it's no joke it's hard but like it's easy 
it's not easy to like completely revamp your diet, but it's easy to eliminate like a few things and add a few things. And then you just like keep chipping away at it. Then all of a sudden you feel like, man, I'm just like scratching the surface on it. So here I am. <laughs> yeah. So I want to ask you a question because I know that you're a reporter and, you know, you got to stay um, impartial to to the game and stuff. But, you know, on the Daniel Artest podcast, man, we, we we keep it all the way real on here. So yeah, I want to know. We can be honest. Uh, your favorite team, like, like who's your favorite player? What's your favorite team? I, I want to know, like, like the real Mark Medina. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like Eminem. Will the real Mark Medina play stand up, right? <laughs> um, here's the thing. Like, this is just my personality. Um, yeah. And also my role, like I never felt like, you know, I appreciate the kind words you were saying, but I never felt like I was politicking or anything like that. Like I'm just being myself, number one. And then number two, like my role, I was never asked to be like a take guy, you know, where it's like, what's your opinion? Like for me, it's like you got to find out what's going on and get information, and then explain like, hey, this is why this is happening. And I can still like say what I think, but it's more under the guise of, okay, I got insight and Intel and that sort of deal. So you're asking me like, who's my favorite team? Who's my favorite player? I'm just going to keep it real with you. I don't give a fuck who (laughs) wins in the NBA. Like all all I'm rooting for, here's what I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for good stories I'm rooting for like I get a de- you know I make my deadline of whatever I need to get my story done, and then I also I'm rooting for like I want to cover things that people care about. So, with that being said, we're asking who's my favorite team. I am very fortunate that I did cover the Lakers and I did cover the Warriors because, you know, regardless of whether they're good or bad, and I covered I covered the Warriors when they were good, and I covered the Lakers when they were good, but I also covered the Lakers when they were bad. Yeah. And like even through all that, people just people cared about them, and that's all I wanted. Like I wanted, I wanted to be able to cover stuff people cared about. And then number two, I am also fortunate and blessed that the majority of the people that I've covered in the NBA, they're all great people to work with. You know, yeah. like from front office to coaches and players. And here's the thing: like there might be players that may not like certain coaches and vice versa and front offices that may not like certain coaches, but they're all human beings. And I think they all mean well. And I I've had, I think like 95% like great experiences with like working with people. And you have those very rare times or like maybe butt heads with people. But the reality is, you know, I just feel like if you treat people like they're human beings and not, and not as like these famous people, I think people respect that. And I think it cuts both ways. Like because people are famous, it's either you got the people sucking up to them and trying to like pepper them with compliments or like treat them as this like God celebrity. And I'm sure that gets old. And then secondly, you have the people that are like trying to just knock them down or twist their words or give a take that sort of thing. And that, that's kind of lame too. Like you always got, I feel like you got, you just got to be real and face the music. And, you know, in my role, like I've never been asked to be the, the take guy or the columnist. So maybe that has limited my exposure to like, Hey, why are you ripping me? But at the same time, 
I'm not afraid to ask people tough things and I'm yeah. not afraid to like be the guy that's calling people when you want to find out what's going on. But I think that, and this isn't just for me, like there's people that frankly do this better than me and I'm trying to take notes from, but you just want to be seen as the guy that's like, Hey, he does his homework. You know, he's doing his job. He know, you know, he's a good human being and, um, but also like, he's also not trying to be the guy that's trying to act like he's friends with everyone when it's like, look, yeah. like no offense to Ron, like your brother's great, but I'm not going to act like I'm one of his boys. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so I think that's just been my approach. I feel like when you do that, it shows that you're a little bit more organic about things. Um, and yeah, so, but it's fun, man. Like. So I would say, like, because of that, my favorite people that I've dealt with, you know, it's just people that kind of are like that as well, that they're they're like genuine and they're honest and, you know, they don't get bent out of shape when you have to ask them tough stuff. Um, but they also don't act all high and mighty when, you know, they are doing well. Right. Like they just they're just normal. Right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, that's all. That's that's all you got to do. Is just be yourself. You'll get so much further with with these uh, NBA players if you be yourself. I've been seeing a lot of reporters just, you know, used to just 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 fumble it, man. Oh man, yeah. Just, hey, hey, you don't have to name names. What have you seen? Like, what what sort of things stick out to you? No, just you know, like like you said, the reporters be trying to want to be boys, want to hang out and stuff, you know, and um, it, it just it, it don't work. You know what I'm saying? It ain't happening like that. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to be like hey let's let's go out get some bottle service all that it's like nope exactly 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 i used to i used to have to stop some of them and stuff you know like just, hey relax man so <laughs> i want to i want to know like when you was when you first started out you know what i'm saying you was in baltimore or whatever well um you was you know reporting for uh, lacrosse inside lacrosse what's going man, on you did some research you did some research <laughs> You know what, Daniel, it goes back further than that. So I was, I grew up in York, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And, and I, and I knew I wanted to do this at an early age. So I was writing for my middle school paper and then I got a really good opportunity. I got to shout them out because to this day I owe a debt of gratitude. So I live in York, Pennsylvania. There's my hometown paper. It's called the York Daily Record. Okay. There was like, there was like this workshop that they were having for like high school journalism students. And like, we went to it and you see the editors or reporters talk to you. And I asked them, Hey, are there any like freelance opportunities? And, um, you know, I think just a window into, into our world, like it's very rare for high school students to get those kind of things for at a published yeah. newspaper. Cause it's like, you know, they have people that are much more qualified than I am. Like you go to school for it, you got to get experience. And at that time, nothing was available, but, you know, I, I just kept that thought in the back of my mind and also um, had his contact information. His name's Chris Otto. And okay. uh, maybe like a year and a half later, I called him and asked, hey, if there's any opportunities. He expressed some interest and he had me come in. We interviewed. I showed him some clips. And my, my stuff, I mean, at that time is not good. I mean, they never are at that when you're that inexperience but he was willing to just give me a shot so i would cover like high school football friday night lights you know and high school basketball and yeah. the stories weren't good but like 
you know, he was, he kept giving me opportunities and, you know, he would edit them a lot and give feedback, but I kept doing that through high school. And then I went to Syracuse for in college. It's a great journalism school. So that's when I started writing for the student paper and I was doing stuff for the TV station every summer. I was always interning somewhere for like a, yeah. for a place. So like you're asking me about Baltimore. I lived in Baltimore for a summer my after my sophomore year of college and okay. intern for inside lacrosse magazine. I got that because Syracuse is a lacrosse uh, powerhouse. And so I was doing some freelance work for them earlier and they asked, Hey, would you be interested in being our intern? So I did that for a summer. And then like after that, my junior year, I interned at the Washington times in DC yeah. That, uh, the next year after that, I interned at the Richmond Times Dispatch, a paper in Richmond, Virginia. And at that point, I was trying to get a full time job, but the industry's in bad shape. Like everyone's downsizing. So no one was hiring. So I sent out like 100 resumes to people, right? And, yeah. uh, you know, like probably like 70 of them weren't answered. And I got like 10 or 15 that were like, Hey, like we love your, your stuff, but you're, we're just not, we're either not hiring or you're too inexperienced. And then I got a, I got a, uh, uh, a letter from the LA times saying that they're, they're interested in seeing if I was, uh, if I was available for their internship program. So I, I interviewed for that. I moved out here. I was like working different sections of the paper so I did that for like six months. Then I went into sports because that's my background. I was doing all sorts of stuff like WNBA, shooting video for some of the playoff games. I was there when uh, the Lakers were playing the Rockets in the playoffs. And that was one of my early NBA games seeing Ron and Kobe go at it. So I was oh, doing wow. stuff like that and like filling in for everyone anytime they need a day off. So I did that yeah. for like seven, eight months. And then they had a round of layoffs. And they let me go, you know, like I'm an experience, like I'm low on the totem pole. I get it. But they rehired me a few weeks later because they needed someone to run their Lakers blog. So like that was my big opportunity. So that first year was the year that that uh, the Lakers won the title when Ron was on the team against Boston. Wow, that's awesome. That's, that's crazy. Awesome. So that was like my big break of like, hey, this is a good opportunity. You know, like let's just run with it. And I was, that was 2010. So that I was 24 years old and man, I, I did that for two years. And then I became a beat writer with the Lakers for the LA daily news for five years. Like, so my first year as on the beat, as you know, is when that crazy season, when it was Kobe meta pal with Steve Nash and Dwight. So I did Kobe's final four seasons. And then the first year after his retirement, and then I went up to the Bay cover the Warriors for two years for the Mercury News. And then this past fall, I went to USA Today. So it's been a crazy, like, man, that is a, like that whole timeline's like about 19 years. That's pretty your crazy. Resume, your resume is crazy. You know what I mean? Like you're like a well-rounded guy. Cause you, you know, not only see everybody see you as the basketball guy, man, but you know, I do my research, Mark. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You did your you did your homework. That's the art of a good podcaster. Exactly, man. See, but you did AAA baseball, IndyCar. You know, you did college football, United Soccer League, and stuff. You did yeah. like, enterprise coverage. I know. Come on, man. I'm right there with you, man. Did, you I, did I like email you my resume or something? Like, nah, how do you know all those? And it's funny. The year you was in Richmond, I was actually playing basketball in Virginia too, as well. Oh, I was for in, real? Where in Virginia? I was in Chantilly. 
you know. Nice. And, yeah, I was playing a little minor league basketball after my overseas career kind of ended. So okay. I come back to the States and, you know, and things like that. But, yeah, yeah, I, I did my research and stuff, you know. And um, so I'm going to ask you about the Lakers and the Warriors, you know, working for them. I mean, I'm just talking about at their best, not not the not the, the lighter. Not, not the, about the bad years. <laughs> not the bad years. We already know about the bad years, about the Lakers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now you want to talk about, like, you know, how was it at the height? Because, you know, you've seen Kobe in 2010 win the title. And then you've seen, you know, Steph, Clay, Durant, you know, Draymond Green, you know, winning that, going on that run. And you was there for that. So how do you compare the two? I think there's so many similarities because, you know, that specific season that I jumped right in, like Ron was the new guy, but everyone else, they had just won a title. So they were dealing with like, you know, how do you defend it? How do you get through the season where you're playing your best, but you're not burning out? And then you would have kind of your uh, moments of where the team's going through the motions, they're being complacent, but like Ron, I think for him, part of the reason is, you know, why they got him is like, number one, like you inject like a new person, there's going to be new energy. Like there's going to be like that engagement of like, hey, he's he's hungry, right? And yeah. two, like they're remembering Boston. Like one of the things when they lost in 08 was, hey, they need to be tough and physical. And that's what Ron is. Like he, he epitomizes that. So like, it was just fascinating to see the parallels of that because when I jumped into the Warriors, they had just won a championship and it was their second and third year. So when I was jumping into it, like kind of the freshness of like the joy of them winning for the first time and the freshness of winning for Kevin Durant's first year was kind of going away. So it was similar of, Hey, like how do they stay engaged? They know they're so talented. Everyone meshes really well on the court because of not only their talent, but like every single like star on the team brings something unique. Yeah. 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 So with that, I, I, I would always have flashbacks of like, man, I remember like, this is what it was like covering the Lakers. And also I think from a media perspective, it it helped prepare me because the Lakers, man, there's always so much media all the time. And especially during those years, and for the Warriors, it was becoming the same thing. And I like that's all I know. I don't know what it's like covering an NBA team that no one cares about. And, and I don't know what it's like to cover an NBA team where like there's not a lot of media and there's not a lot of competition. So like that prepared me for trying to compete and get in the mix and know like you know what you're going to have some good days where you feel good about yourself. But you're going to have some days where you feel humbled, you know, and then you just got to get right back up and keep keep competing, right? Yeah. Um, exactly. And also, like, it's not just about working hard; it's about working smart, seeing like what can you do that's different than everyone else, right? Yeah. And um, the other thing that reminded me is that all the guys were just so great to work with. Where like, not only are they star guys and everyone's interesting, but like they have different and unique personalities, you know, like at that point, Kobe was seen as the difficult guy and like, Hey, like he's super competitive, but you know, I'm not going to say like, Hey, every interaction with Kobe was always amazing. Like sometimes he would bite at you for stuff and, you know, sometimes he would be in his moods, but you know, I, I appreciated the realness and I thought that he was just so, like smart and like intellectually curious and just so super competitive. Like I just found what he would say and how, like what made him tick really interesting. And then like yeah. pal, 
Gasol is just like the ultimate renaissance man and so considerate, so polite. Same thing with Lamar. Same thing with Ron. Like, just real genuine people. And then, like, Derek Fisher, like the ultimate at the time, you know, ultimate team captain, glue guys. Um, so, like, with the Warriors, when I'm seeing, like, Steph being the guy who's all about joy and keeping everyone together, Clay's kind of in his own world, but he's super chill. Kevin, like, you know, he takes a lot of sla- flack for joining the Warriors and maybe him being moody, but I always found him to be engaging. And just yeah. like, he he was fun to kind of pick his brain. It reminded me a little bit of Kobe because of just how much they pay attention to all the details in the game. And then Draymond, like, he and Ron are, like, amazing defenders. Draymond's different because he's also seen as this, like, hybrid playmaker but they're both like really super opinionated and they don't care what people think. And, you know, they get this whole rap of, Hey, they're so angry on the court. And yeah, like sometimes that might be true. Like sometimes they get too physical or they get some texts, but like, there's also a lot of humanity in both guys. So like, I would just keep having these flashbacks, man, where like when I was covering the Warriors, I'm man, like this reminded me of the Lakers, you know? Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. So um, I always wanted to know this, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, you know you've been around my brother for a lot of years and stuff. Like, how was he, like, with you, with, um, you know, when you was reporting him? Do you have, like, any, like, you know, good moments of him? Or even a bad one? <laughs> Honestly, I mean, we, I, with, with Ron in particular, like, I, I've gotten to know him a lot and we've chatted a lot that it, a lot of it sometimes is a blur. But I will say this. My my top moment with with your brother was he was going on he was going on one of his rants and you probably know what I mean by that where like he's just he he's making a point and he is talking and he's funny he's opinionated he's going off in all different directions and you're trying to follow like where he's going with this and he was he was going on a rant during training camp about the NBA instituting this flop rule yeah we you know we're like they're going to start penalizing players that flop more. So, like, if you flop, officials are going to call it a foul. They're going to fine you. And we were asking some of the players, like Kobe and and Ron, what they think. And Kobe, like, he's given his opinionated answer, but he's kind of a little political. And he's like, hey, it's that that's for chumps. Like, people who flop are chumps. Yeah. Ron was going all in on how, like, he doesn't begrudge you know, certain guys who want to flop because that's part of their game, but he doesn't do that. But he just wishes that officials just wouldn't call it. And then you wouldn't have to penalize people for flopping. And so, like, he was making this whole point that if you simply called the game correctly, the players would adjust and you wouldn't have to put these penalties in. And he looks at me, he's like, Mark, like, I guarantee you, like, if you put your mind to it, you wouldn't flop either. And and someone was like, "Hey, demonstrate!" And so he says, "Hey, stand on the court. I'm gonna, char- I'm gonna charge into you. I don't want you to flop. I want you to stand and be a man." So you're Ron Ron Artest, who's like one of the most physically intimidating players of all time. Who's like, you know, no offense, but like. You know, he had that ugly chapter in Detroit. Like, he gave James Harden a a concussion one time. Like, I'm like, holy, you know what? Like, Ron Artest is about to bulldoze me. And he hits hits me. And, like, he's not going at his hardest 100 miles an hour. But, man, he is strong. He's big. He he runs into me. 
I don't flop. And I am like relieved because I thought like my life was about to end. And I start getting all confident. I was like, hey, do it again. Do it again. So he charges into me again. The video is up on YouTube. It's hilarious. Well, I remember the video, Mark, because oh, you saw Ron was telling you to stand up like, be a man. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, stand, be a man. Don't flop. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was, I remember that moment. That moment is forever funny because you know I know you. So when I when I seen that, I was like, man, this dude Mark is a fool, man. <laughs> how, how about this? And and Ron might not like this, but with, here's one of my other favorite moments. And and you know what? I think for this moment, this shows like you want to be real with people, but like sometimes you know your ability to like give someone a hard time, you have to you have to earn that and build that trust, right? So yeah. like. During that crazy season, 2012-13, where it's like you thought at the beginning of the year, man, you got Kobe, Dwight, Steve Nash, Powell, and, and Rometa, that, man, this team's going to be reckoned with. But all of a sudden, you had all these injuries. You had all these different agendas of, like, how to run the offense. Kobe and Dwight were on the same page. Powell was upset with Mike D'Antoni's system. Steve Nash was hurt. Incidentally, like, Meta was – Braun played like the best season of his career that year, but like everything else was like calling, kind of falling apart. And Kobe was like playing out of his mind, but you know, then he got injured with the Achilles. But like before all that happened, there was a point in the month where it was like, I think it was like March where it's like, you know what? Like this team might not make the playoffs. Like yeah. they are so behind in the standings that like as talented as this team is, they might not make it. And there was a time where like they had lost like their whatever, like, fifth seventh game in a row who knows what and we're asking ron he's trying to paint like hey this is where we want to be you know we we respond well to pressure and like this is good because now you know like he 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 calls me out in front of everyone he's like you know you're you're gonna have guys like mark medina writing hey we're not gonna make the playoffs and then laker fans are gonna go crazy and say oh my god like the lakers aren't gonna make the playoffs and like then we're going to be motivated by that. We'll prove them wrong. And I interrupted Ron. I said, no, I've written you guys are going to make the playoffs, but you guys are going to lose in the first round. <laughs> yeah, that was that's very Ron, Ron was taken aback. He's like, you said that? I was like, yeah. And he's yeah. like, don't listen to that guy. He's a loser. And then, hey, I wound up being right. They lost in the first round. <laughs> now, yeah, must- fairness, now, in fairness to them, I mean, Kobe got hurt. I mean, who who yeah. – I was saying that before Kobe got hurt, but that's crazy. Yeah. But that was my think, favorite moment because we could give each other a little, you know what. <laughs> you make your question because, like like I said, you you, you you was with the Warriors because I felt like Steph Curry's um, introduction to how he is today was at that Laker game when Kobe got hurt. I thought that was the Steph Curry that everybody sees now. Like, he, was, he did it then. I think he had about 54 points. They lost that game, but, you know, he was just like – he just opened up after that. That that was like the, the Steph Curry. So how was it, you know, just watching him shoot and practice and things? Because you know, like um, I'll be telling my, I'll be telling my friends like, like these NBA players, they practice drills. They'll literally drain like 70, 80 shots in a row. And I, I'm sure that you've seen that many times in their shooting contests. Yeah, it was cool because you know uh, when I was covering them, that's when Kevin was there, and he and so Steph and Kevin would like shoot the same basket at the end of practice, and it was right. Uh, in front of the interview tables and you know that made it easier for us because a lot of us we would shoot video of it post on twitter instagram and it was kind of this like informal shooting contest but a lot of it was just like hey it's two greats like doing things together 
they loved working with uh, Warriors assistant coach Bruce Frazier. His nickname's Q. Um, to this day, i got to shout him out. I always say he has the greatest nickname ever, and he always says that I do because he calls me Funky Cole because of the whole like rap song back in the 80s, Funky Cole Medina. But wow. anyway, they love they love Cube because he's like so laid back. He's a smart basketball mind. He's a, he, he, you know, he gives a lot of good feedback on like shooting and just you know workouts and all that. So it was cool doing that. And the other thing is, you know, peek behind the curtain. Like the media doesn't watch all practice. Like that's closed off. That's the that team's moment. So like yeah. when we're at practice, we catch like the last ten minutes of it. So a lot of times at that point, Steph's, you know, sometimes goofing around a little bit. He's taking all these crazy threes from like half court, or sometimes he would even be like kicking the ball into the basket as if he's like playing soccer, things yeah. like that. And I think, you know, the cool thing about it showed, hey, he's this happy-go-lucky guy who just like loves what he does. He loves life. But I think even if that's a cool window into what makes him tick, I think some people would misinterpret that and think, Hey, like Steph just goofs off and like the game is so easy. And it's like, no, like don't get it twisted. Like before we're in there, he is doing his workout the way it's like regimented and like there's a routine and you're doing all the fundamentals and all that. Like this is toward the end where it's like, Hey, after a hard day's work, like loosen up a little bit, have fun. And so I think that's kind of the underrated thing about Steph is like people see him do the shimmy on the court and take some crazy shots, but it's not just like he punches into work and is just goofing around. Like there is a seriousness and a, and a discipline to it. And I think both he and Kevin were like that. They, they were similar in that vein where they had a routine, they stuck to it, and they prided on like just doing the little things over and over again. Yeah. You know, Kevin, I think, was a little bit more stoic about the way he did it, where Steph, like, he knew how to have this perfect balance of, like, having structure, but, like, improvising a little bit and, like, showing his goofy side as well. But, no, it, it was a it was a treat to, to really get a good view of that day to day. Yeah, 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 definitely. And now now that you're in L.A., you know, you got the Lakers and the Clippers, two, two NBA um, title contenders like so how is that like about like um do you do both um both teams since you're a usa Re um, today reporter and and how yeah. is the it's crazy like yeah i do both because like i'm a u.s i'm a national writer right and like i live here so it's crazy because like if you look at the calendar the nba schedule there's a lot of times where like there'll be a laker game and then the next day there'll be a clipper game Sometimes I've been at Staples Center like four days out of the week. Like, that's a lot, you know, because there's a yeah. lot of games. You're working late at night, but it's fun. Um, and you kind of got like – you kind of got a window, you know, day-to-day -day of like what both teams are striving for because, unfortunately, before the season came to a halt, it just seemed like they are running this parallel track where they were going to go on a collision course, right, where yeah. the Clippers, I think they have more depth – um, from top to bottom, you know, Doc Rivers has been there for a while and, uh, where the Lakers like coming into this season, you have LeBron James, and Anthony Davis, but there was a thought of like, Hey, like how much might there be some injury concerns? Cause LeBron's, you know, in his 17th season, Anthony's handled his own set of injuries throughout the year, you know, yeah. and you have so much newness of like new roles 
new role players, a new coaching staff, and you know how the Lakers are. Like, there's always going to be some drama, right? Yeah. But I, I, I was a little pleasantly surprised. We're like, I thought up until now the Lakers were the better team because, you know, not only was LeBron and AD like them, but they they complement each other in every way you can imagine. And I think with exception to Kuzma and Rondo, like most of the role players were the best version of themselves. And Frank Vogel really won over the locker room like from day one. And that's yeah. saying something because like Frank Vogel's a really good coach. He's got a resume, but you know, they came into the the season like knowing that hey, like LeBron was hoping Ty Luke could coach that him again. And they yeah. wound up like not hiring him. And, you know, it, they I think they got some a fair amount of criticism. And I thought a, a lot of it was justified. It was like, hey, like, why did this interview not go, you know, into a hire when it was like, it seemed like it was an agreement. All of a sudden there's, you know, we're hearing that talks broke down because of, you know, financial concerns. And the Lakers, you know, they're not lacking for money. Like, they're the Lakers. And also trying to impose, like, who should be on their coaching staff. And that's just, like, an unwritten rule. Like, coaches are supposed to be allowed to hire who they want, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But, you know what? Like, there's been no drama. And, you know, as far as just, like, personalities and on the court. And they've been great. But I think for the Clippers, you know, there's all these injuries with Kawhi's load management. And, you know, they say he had a legitimate knee injury. Now, there's some people in the NBA that don't think it's as serious as the Clippers claim to be, but regardless, like he's in and out of the lineup. Paul George missed the first 11 games because he was having his offseason surgery on his shoulders, and then he had some hamstring stuff. And then a lot of the role guys were just in and out of the lineup with different injuries, so like they were never really consistent. But you just wondered, okay, does this really mean anything, though? Like Once they're healthy, they'll start hitting their stride. And this last month, both teams were at their best, and he thought, okay, this is going to be fun. Yeah. Then it all came to a halt. And then the other thing with the Lakers is just like, you know, it's been tough for them for obvious reasons, but things could have gotten a lot worse of just like the tragedy of Kobe and Gianna. Like, it's been tough for everyone in the NBA. It's been tough for the Lakers, but totally understandable if that's something that would have knocked them off course a little bit and would have resulted in like a significant number of losses or a lot of guys just like not having the same kind of caliber of play they were before but even through the grief and the agony and the pain and the tears like for the most part they're putting their best foot forward through all that it's uh, i was pretty impressed yeah, yeah, yeah definitely impressed with the lakers on how they dealt with um dealt with you know kobe bryant's death and stuff um, take us through that through that day, through that week, you know, when you found out, you know, about the entire situation, um, the untimely demise of Kobe Bryant and his daughter and the other seven, you know, um, passengers on that helicopter. You know, I felt like, you know, being around Kobe, he you know, really nice guy. And we had a lot of talks about, you know, sometimes it was basketball. It was mostly like family and stuff. And um, I don't think you noticed, but I remember one of the first day I met you was at when Ron signed. With, with the Lakers in 2009. And, you know, I was on the summer league team, you know, and um, I, I got to correct you there. I wasn't even there yet. wasn't there yet. No, I first met you, I feel like, in the middle of the season. But, no, I, I got you. I just had to give you some crap. Okay. <laughs> we, met, we, met, we met in the middle of the season, though. But I remember you were friendly. We hit it off really well. Yeah. So, like, take us through, like, that that, that, that whole entire 
you know, day that week and stuff with Kobe Bryant and how to affect you because I know that you, you've been around. So you, you definitely developed relationship with these players and stuff. So like, how, how did it affect your, your life? It's been tough, man. Um, and I, I had a caution cause like, I don't want to, you know, earlier, you know, what we were saying earlier in, our, in the podcast, like you're trying yeah. to, you're not, you want to make it clear. It's not, not like I'm boys with Kobe or whatever, but I can't. And like, that's the thing. Like, the Bryant family, the Laker family, the NBA, like can't even compare. But that said, like we got along really well when I covered him. And, you know, I think especially toward the tail end of his career, got to know him a little bit more. And then because I got to know his folks at Lower Marion really well and um, just was really in touch with what he was doing post-career, it was cool. And so you're asking me about like, take me through that day. Incidentally, that weekend was like a rare weekend where I was going to be off for a little bit. And it was like, Hey, like I'm going to recharge, enjoy life. So I was, I was shopping. Like I was at a mall getting clothes. I was in the line at express, like getting clothes. Right. And all of a sudden I got a text from a friend Mm -hmm. like, oh my God, like, this isn't true, is it? And it was a link to the TMZ story. And I just froze because, like, a few thoughts went to my head. Like, this can't be true. I'm not going to click on it. Like, what if this is, like, some sort of hack, prank? But, like, three, as messed up as TMZ does things, like, they're usually not, they're not wrong on these things. So I'm like, holy, you know what? Yeah. So, like, I'm like, I was checking this because, like, the cashier's checking me out, you know, like I'm at the register and seriously, like I was just like, redeem- I was just getting clothes, like redeeming all those like Christmas gift cards you got. Yeah. So, like I wasn't paying like credit card, but like I was giving them these cards. I don't even know what the balance is. Like they could have overcharged me. Like I was that like out of it because of this. Yeah. yeah. As soon as they gave me the bags, I like left the store and started calling uh, some people I knew, Lakers, people who knew Kobe, and the first few people, uh, it was like first three people I called, they didn't answer. And I was like, oh, crap. Like, But you don't know what that means. Like, it's a Sunday, it's a weekend, whatever. Fourth person who answers, I'm like, hey, this Kobe news isn't true, is it? And that person was like, hey, Mark, I got to call you back in a little bit. And that, for me, was the answer I knew that was real. Like, journalistically, it wasn't like, hey, I can confirm, you know, Kobe passed away. But in my mind, I knew, oh, my gosh, this is real. Because if it wasn't, like, that person knows Kobe, and he would have been like, no, that was BS. Like, he's here. He's good. The fact that I got to call you back, like, that means he's that person's dealing with some stuff, you know? Yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So I was making my way to the car. I was calling editors. And then, incidentally, just as I was about to call an editor, that editor called me and was like, hey, like, start making calls. You know, we have – we'll have our desk, like, write stuff in the event that this is true. And just, like, as soon as you have it confirmed, like, let us know. My colleague Jeff Stilga was doing the same thing. He wound up getting it confirmed from some of his own folks. And then I got – confirmation from some folks I heard from that not only was was it true about Kobe but that Gianna was on there too 
Yeah. They're on their way to an AAU game. So, it, I mean, it was just devastating. But at the same time, like, I didn't have time to think because I drove all the way to the to Calabasas, which is like an hour from Platte El Rey, because that's where yeah. the crash site was. So, like, you know, like, I'm USA Today, like, I'm a national paper. Like, I'm one of the very few in LA. So they're like, hey, like, go to the scene, try to feed us stuff. So I was going to there to just see what I can get. So I, I talked to some Laker fans, you know, post post on social media, you know, went on my phone and like emailed some, I wrote up a few paragraphs to my bosses. They could like put it in different stories. Then the sheriff's office had a press conference, same thing. Then I went back from like where the sheriff's press conference was to near the crash site. Cause there was going to be like a vigil, like at a church. So I like did that. And I was like doing all this stuff on my phone because like there's nowhere to like get my computer. So then I stopped at the Mama Sports Academy in Thousand Oaks on my way back, talked to some more fans, fed social media. And then I got home at like nine or 10. And I was talking with my editors throughout the day. They wanted me to write a column about Kobe because I knew him. And also, here's the thing that's crazy I had literally interviewed him nine days before that. Uh, cause I had a sit down with him about his post NBA career. Cause like when I got this job, you know, I was trying to come up with different ideas and I knew Kobe well, like I, I had pitched to him and his folks that want to do something on him at some point about yeah. how he's like pivoted from his NBA career to all the stuff he's doing now. And so the timing just came out that, Hey, he's got a, he's got a new book that's coming out. So. He wants to promote that. So it was like win-win for both. Like I wanted to talk to him about this stuff. He wanted to promote this. So it worked. So I, I went down to his studios in Costa Mesa, talk, interviewed him in person for an hour, did like four stories out of it. And nine days later, he was in a helicopter crash. So like I, I had to write a column kind of reflecting on like Kobe and that interview and what it meant. It was tough to write because like, I had kind of this very unique window into Kobe of not just covering him, but like I had his last sit down interview and I was, it was very tough to write because like I was really tired from yeah. a long day. Like I was kind of just emotionally drained from like what the hell just happened. And I also, I also did not want to come across as self-serving of like trying to flex. Like I knew Kobe really well sort of deal. So, like, I was sometimes sharing some, like, inside nuggets and, like, things we'd say off the record. But, like, I didn't want to, like, be that guy, you know, that's trying to flex. And also, like, you know, we had talked about certain things off the record, like, even if they're harmless. Like, I just didn't want to, like, do that whole principle wrong. So, like, I was, like, censoring myself a lot of, like, how do I thread the needle of, like, giving this insight about Kobe in this interview without, like, making it about me, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so it took a while to write. I got done at like two in the morning. Um, and, and see, they wanted that column for it to like run first thing in the morning, Monday morning. So like I could stay up all night to whatever I needed to do. So like I, I got it done. I just went to bed. I was crashing. Then I got up at 730. Uh, so I only slept for like five and a half hours. And I was tired, but like and things like that. It's just like you're running on so much adrenaline. There's so much going on in our field. Like it's a huge story. It's just like, you know what? 
all that time I was spending like in the gym, exercising, eating well, getting good sleep, that yeah. helps you for those moments. So, you know, it was tough. And then I think like with everyone that whole week, it was just like, you're calling people to try to talk to, to them for stories while also trying to console people like Ron was, you know, helpful in that vein, as well as a lot of other people. And then I was just like kind of going through some kind of denial because like you're constantly working and you're hearing all these like tributes and you're, and it kind of reminded me of like the farewell tour, you know, where like everyone's paying these tributes, but it was like a different, different reason or like, the farewell tour, everyone's doing that because it's last year in the NBA. And here it's because he passed away. Yeah. So you know, I think like with everyone, like you'd have those moments where like you would break down and cry a little bit. But it's gotten better. And I, I can't even compare to like guys who are in the NBA, guys who knew him in high school, you know, his family. But I, I will say this. I was at the Memorial yeah. Staples Center and that was, that was tough. And when Vanessa um spoke man i, mean, I know that was heavy that was inspiring but it was also very sad and when she got done speaking i i was crying yeah she and, showed and, I, and, I, and i don't and i don't and i don't want to this is out of gratitude so i hope I, he doesn't feel i put on the spot but dave big from espn he's a good friend he was staying next to me he saw yeah. me and he just gave me a good hug good moment it was like yeah like that's what life is about you know so it's yeah. been tough. Um, but yeah, I mean, here's the thing. If it's tough for like a media member who who got to know him through that really limited window of like, hey, he's part of my day-to-day -day work job. And like you get a sense of like what he's like as an athlete, whatever. But like, I, you know, I'm not like, I don't know his private life. I, it's not like I hung out with him or whatever. If it's that painful for someone like me, like, and only imagine how it is for Ron or like one of his other teammates or his family. Like it's just god awful. Yeah, Ron was shocked. It was it was shocking. Like it was like uh, I called him. We talked about it for a little bit, and then we was just like in silence because it was just oh, shocking. Really? Yeah, because you know to hear the sentence like you know Kobe Bryant dead and and that is just weird. You know what I mean? And it's still weird to say. And I I, I can't even really say it like like with confidence. You know what I'm saying? Because it, it just seems so like. So surreal, and you know he's going to be missed. You know, um, you know, it's just it's just crazy. My thing is this: you know, he played half his life in the NBA, and then, you know, he couldn't really enjoy the fruits of his labor. You know, what I mean, he retired with four, and then four years later, it's like, yeah, it's like anymore. That's a crazy and, thing. And and then you know what that that made it even more difficult for me because I mean, say I never had talked with him, you know, nine days before. Obviously, it still would have been tough. Like I covered him, I knew him a little bit. Yeah. But the fact that, that I did that interview, that made it more emotional. Yeah. Uh, because because of the subject matter. Like the subject matter was so about his post NBA career. And then four years in, like he had already been doing a lot of like winning an Oscar and getting an Emmy for Dear Basketball. And like he was, he had four books that he oversaw being published. And he, he was in the about to get the third season of this Punies podcast and like that detail series ESPN about to enter its third season. But like, you know how Kobe is like, he's doing all these things and answering all these, you know, I think healthy dose of skepticism of like, how do you pivot from having this crazy, amazing NBA career to all of a sudden becoming this like accomplished storyteller. And he, 
answer the skepticism pretty early that he knows what he's doing. But knowing how Kobe is, like, he was just getting started. Yeah, so, like, yeah. you know, he, he's sharing all these ambitions of, like, okay, like, I got a bucket list. This is, I want to do this, this, and this. And then I think the other, the obvious tragedy is, like, part of his life was, hey, he's now enjoying time with Natalia and Gianna and Bianca and his newborn. Um you know, that's what's what made it tragic and the fact that, you know, he was coaching Gianna on her AAU team and she was only thirteen and she was already, you know, getting really obsessed about the women's, you know, about basketball and talking to WNBA players and saying she wants to go to Yukon, you know, to play for Gino Ariema. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. That, the fact that he was talking to me about that nine days ago before was crazy. And then like you know, those stories, they came out, Daniel, literally, the stories that we wrote. I wrote one story about, you know, hey, LeBron was about to surpass him on the all-time scoring list. Yeah. And that story came out talking, let's see, one, two, three, four, five days before. Yeah. And then three other stories came out four days before. And then, yeah. like we message each other at the end of the business day, Friday, just yeah. like some pleasantries, whatever, catching up sort of deal. Yeah. And then a day and a half later, like that's, that's unreal. That's crazy. And, and, and it's also crazy that you, you was Kobe's last sit down interview. Like yeah. I didn't. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's crazy. And, and like, I'll, I'll keep it real here. Like I'm glad I talked with them, but like this whole idea, I'm glad it was his last sit down. Like, no, like, no, 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 obviously. He should have kept living, right? So, like, exactly. the other thing the other thing is that, like, because of that, you know, there's, um, you know, I think there's a lot of people who reached out. A lot of people use the video of that interview on different outlets. To this day, and I, I don't think I ever will, I, I can't watch the interview. Oh, yeah, I understand. I'll never watch the interview. And the reason is, I mean, beyond – you're always your own self-critic. Like I can't, I, I used to watch my like TV hits yeah, and, and all that because, Hey, it's, it's good to kind of self-evaluate what you're doing well, what you didn't do well, but I do them. So I've done them so often now that I don't rewatch them because I feel like I'm just going to nitpick. And I, and I know what I did well when I'm on TV or I know what I did well when I did an interview and what I didn't do well. And so like, I would have already been doing that to begin with Yeah, but, like, yeah. having to watch that interview. And just like, that was the final time. Like, I, I don't think I can ever do it. It's crazy. Yeah. I know that that's definitely crazy. So, you know, moving on to the, to a different subject, you know what I mean? I know that's kind of tough with Kobe. You know, we yeah, it's tough, but yeah, it's tough. It's so much. You know, um, I want to talk to you. You know, you you've been doing a little bit of TV. I remember I used to see you in spots on, um, you know, Spectrum when it used to be Time Warner. But now I, I see you on, you know, on Fox Sports and stuff. You know, what I mean, you're chilling with Chris Haynes and stuff. So, is, <laughs> is, is TV going to be in your future, man? What, what's the end result of all of this, Mark? What's going on, man? Hey, first off, I got to shout out Chris Haynes. Love the guy. He, he does great work at Yahoo. Yeah. Um, what What's the end game? Uh, I've wanted to be a national NBA writer. So like you could say this is the end game, but the reality is this is my first year. So like, I just want to keep building off of this. 
Now, yeah. like your point, do I want to be on TV? I love doing TV hits. Like, you know, what I did at Fox, like they had me on because, hey, he covers the NBA. He can give us insight on stuff. Yeah. But like, I don't want to just do TV. Like, I'll always want to be able to write, you know, where yeah. like I cover games, I can talk to people, I can do interviews, I can do features, you know, like, because like, I don't want to be the guy who's just like talking on TV every day, you know, like, I want to be able to like the reason why Colin Cowherd has me on or like speak for yourself has me on is because like, because I'm a writer, I do all these interviews and I have insight. They're not yeah. having me on to be like skip or Shannon, you know, they're, yeah. having, me on, they're having me on to give them, in, in, give them information like red meat that they can chew on, you know, yeah. so, like, what's the end game. I just want to keep building off of this. We're like the model right now. It's for me to like cover the league, do cool stories, you know, like try to get whatever one-on-ones you can get, like do interesting stuff and then be on TV. So right now I don't want to say it's like, Hey, like I've arrived and this is it. Like you got to be hungry and it's a competitive industry, but I I just want to build off of it. Like this is my first year as a national writer with USA Today. It's like a really great newspaper to work for, you know? Yeah. That's crazy though, because like, you know, it, it seems like I've been like around your whole career, man. You know what I'm saying? And it's just so it's just so dope that to see you from when you started, you know, when I first got to LA to see you now as a national reporter. Like that that that's some hard work that you put in, Mark. I appreciate it, man. I mean it's uh you just gotta keep working hard and like you it's it's all the cliches of like kind of like an NBA player. Like you gotta work hard, you gotta work smart, you gotta like find what you're good at. And like yeah. what you're not good at, good at, you gotta like attack those weaknesses. But you also have to accept, like you know what, you'll have some weaknesses. But like, what's your calling card to show that you're still valuable, right? And then like, yeah. it's a relationship-driven business. So you want to just lean on your mentors and lean on you know people you know. And like when you when you've covered teams and certain coaches, players, like lean on them as you know as far as sources go and ideas, you know? So yeah, I I feel like, you know what, like it's just, it's just getting started, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And before we get out of here, man, I seen that you was on, um, combos court podcast and me and him actually played in junior college together. So wait, 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 which, which podcast was this? Uh, combos court. His name is. uh, Oh yeah. 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 That was fun. Yeah. Me and him, we played at junior college together, you know? Oh yeah. Wait, wait, tell me how this went down. Um, when me and him in junior college, yeah, I got on his case when he never passed me the ball. That's all it was, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he um, he's actually a really good point guard, about six foot five. He can, this dude got like eyes in the back of his head. He can, he passes the ball like tremendously, like amazing passer, you know. And um, he has sneaky hops. He's like a he, he he's like Alex Caruso, man, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, who, who, who would be. Who would you be your uh, NBA comparison? Um, I am the original Zion Williamson. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Seriously, like um, people that people that know me, that know me, that you know, that I grew up with or whatever, they know. Like I always played center or power forward my entire life, right? So I'm I'm six four, you know, and um, I used to jump, you know, like not like high as Zion, but you know, I was able to, you know, dunk. I used to try to dunk everything, and um. You know, a lot of a lot of my like any room you can ask like anybody, you can even ask Ron. I caught Ron under the rim plenty of times and stuff. I remember um 
when I used to work out with the Pacers. I caught James Jones. I, I caught like oh, really? I caught like half of the Pacers under the rim, you know, and yelling at them like, "This is my gym," you know what I'm saying? Um, even when I was in high school and when Ron was in college, I used to um, I used to catch his college teammates too all the time, you know. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, I'm not BSing you when I say this. Like Ron would say a lot to me, and just like when he'd do interviews about how you were a hell of a player, and that like an NBA team should have picked you up. Yeah, you know, I mean, it happens though. You know, I didn't have the the focus. You know, I was a. To be honest, I'm gonna be honest with you, Mark. I so to be honest. I was a late bloomer with the girls. So once the girls started coming around, I got so off track, brother. You got to stay focused and keep the main thing the main thing, as Pat Riley would always say. <laughs> I, was, I, I, I didn't do it, man. But, you know, I mean, I didn't like, like I didn't play um, high school basketball because of grades and also just, you know, growing up in a um, you know, bad environment and stuff. So I, I didn't play high school basketball at all. I made my rep off of um, AAU. And then when I was in high school, actually, I was rated number two in the whole, whole entire state of New York. You know, um, Julius Hodge was number one, you know. Um, so, like, a lot of it, when it was AU time, you know, they 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 felt me. You know what I mean? They know exactly where I was coming from. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I caught a lot of people, man. You know, I, 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 caught, I caught Julius Hodge during AU times, got the best of him. I got the best of uh, Lenny Cook one time, a couple times. You know, um, you, know, you just name the who's who. And like, I was right up there with them. I just didn't have the the grades of playing high school to show to show my skill and stuff, you know. And um, uh, yeah. So I, I used to I used to you know I used to get Ron all the time too as well. Like this was during Ron's like best you know defensive days and stuff. And we used to go play against each other in streetball. I never really played. I never really played on the same team as him. And um, you know, I, I I used to get him. I used to get him a lot. You know, I was stronger than him, and I was able to jump. So I used to use that to my success. And whatnot, but yeah, well, you know, it was, it was it was a fun it was a fun time playing basketball. So, hey, Mark, um, so that's funny because you said you're from York, Pennsylvania, because I call York, Pennsylvania, baby Queensbridge because everybody from Queensbridge that I know be moving out to York, PA. It's, it's totally wait, really? I didn't you know. know that at all. Yeah, Wasn't man, people from Queensbridge and York. I know, I know at least about twenty people, thirty people that that's from Queensbridge that live Damn. in York. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, I love growing up there. It's a great city. Yeah, it, it, I think it's because it, it's cheaper than New York. That's why a lot of people go out well, there. Yeah, the cost of living is low. And then the other thing is, um, you know, great. Like, I love the high school I went to, York Suburban, like cool people. But it's also close to bigger cities. So, like, it's only an hour north of Baltimore, about two hours north of D.C., like an hour and a half west of Philadelphia, yeah, you it was. Go, you can drive to Lancaster. That's like thirty minutes east. Get on a train and go to New York. Get to New York in like four hours, and yeah. then it's like thirty minutes away from Hershey, Pennsylvania, which has Hershey Park. Thirty minutes from Gettysburg, which you know that's a historical city, and then yeah. you know thirty minutes from Harrisburg, and you know that's like the capital. There's some fun nightlife there. So like, there's always it's like very convenient as far as like making uh trips other places yeah yeah, definitely man definitely man and i want to thank you for coming on this podcast tonight mark man it's really it's so nice to hear from you man daniel i was honored man this is one of the most fun podcasts i've ever been on ever yeah, I, I i'm not saying that because i'm on now it's just when i'm doing these podcasts it's so like you know it's always about like talking about the nba and like the news stuff or whatever but here it was kind of a mix of just like kind of catching up and then just swapping stories, you know? 
Yeah, exactly. That's what I try to do with this podcast. I try to, I try to, you know, be different. You know what I mean? Because I, I know what y'all, I know what y'all do with. You know, so you deal with the NBA every day. You know, so I just thought that maybe you know we could just switch it up a little bit and let me do my research and let everybody know how you started. You know how you started out. You know, doing lacrosse. <laughs> you know yeah, and, and, and let the listener know that like I, I don't think I've ever told Daniel that I worked at Inside Lacrosse Magazine, so he did his research. <laughs> Yeah, man, you Mark Medina, man. You're the great Mark Medina, man. So I want to I want to thank you for coming on to the show. We're about to end right now. And um just you know, let me know, let my my listeners know how they can reach you and, and follow you on social media because you do give a, you have amazing stories. Yo. I love your writing, big fan of your writing. So just let everybody know how they can reach you. I appreciate it, sir. Uh yeah, Twitter is Mark G underscore Medina. That's M-A-R-K-G underscore M-E-D-I-N-A. That's Twitter. I got Instagram, Medina Syracuse. Shout out to where I went to college. So you got M-E-D-I-N-A-S-Y-R-A-C-U-S-E. And, yeah, right for USA Today. So go to the website. If you want to subscribe, you know, get the paper delivered, you can get that too. You know, unfortunately now, like with the coronavirus, like there's not a lot of people traveling and they shouldn't be. Yeah. And, you know, not many people are going in hotels. But hopefully once – this settles down and everything's back to normal. You know, you can also get USA Today at basically any airports, newsstand, and most hotels. So you'll find me everywhere. Yeah, cool, cool. Well, thank you for coming on to the show. Yeah, y'all can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Daniel Artes Pod. Also, I'm on Facebook. Hey, Mark, you got to join the Facebook group, the Daniel Artes Podcast. I got 2,100 members in this group right now. You know what I'm saying? It's crazy in there, so you got to join it. Damn, invite, man. I'll sign up. All right, definitely. I'm definitely going to invite you in there, man. So with that being said, I'm out of here. Mark, thank you for coming on to the show, and peace. Peace.